beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. A few moments ago, we read from Luke 11, and as we read there in Luke 11, at a certain point, one of Jesus' disciples came up to the Lord and asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. Well, maybe he had been thinking of asking this question for quite some time, but now seeing the Lord also in prayer and finishing up his prayer, he decided to, to ask this question, Lord, teach us to pray. And what does, that, what does that show us, that one of Jesus' disciples asked him, teach us to pray? Well, one thing it shows us is that prayer doesn't come naturally to us. How do we talk to God? What does he want to hear from us? What are we supposed to say? And if you've ever struggled in your prayer life, you're certainly not alone. Here is one of Jesus' very disciples asking the Lord, teach, teach me to pray. And God knows that we can struggle in this way. That's one reason why he made sure a passage like Luke 11 is included in the scriptures so that we would be instructed. We need to be taught to. And this includes pretty much everything uh, that comes with prayer. This includes how we are to address God. It includes uh, the sort of attitude we come before God as we pray to Him. You have this with more things in life. If you have ever, if you ever have the chance to go meet King Charles, there's a certain protocol that you need to follow when you, when you meet him. You can't just walk up to the king and say, Hi, Charlie. Simply not going to fly. You need to follow the proper protocol when it comes to the king. And there's similar things when it comes to God. There's a certain posture and attitude that we need to learn. We need to take on as we speak with our God. There's also a right type of address that we use when we speak to Him in prayer. This is something our Lord Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer, something we're going to focus on also this afternoon as we learn to call upon God as our Father in heaven. That brings us to the sermon theme. By addressing God as our Father in heaven, Christ teaches us to pray with an attitude of reverent trust. So by addressing God as our Father in heaven, Christ teaches us to pray with an attitude of reverent trust. And he teaches us this so that we would, first of all, pray with the right posture, and secondly, pray uh, with patient faith. So as we read from Lord's Day 46, we address God as our Father in heaven for a few reasons. The first thing is this. Uh, to awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer that childlike reverence and trust toward God that, that we should have as God's children. The second thing is this, to teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty in an earthly manner. So there's those two aspects, God as our Father and God as the majestic King. And we need to understand both of these things in order to pray in a way that pleases God. This will give us the right posture in prayer. And this posture includes, first of all, an attitude of wonder and awe because God is the majestic King. And this is something Psalm 113 taught us so clearly 
There we read about our God. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? Reflect on those words, especially those last ones. He looks far down upon the heavens and the earth. Think of that in terms of also the, the universe. Well, the universe is, is massive. When you look up in the night sky, sometimes you can see the planet Mars. It appears only as a small dot in the sky. And that's because the average distance between Earth and Mars is over 200 million kilometers. And with the available technology we have, if we ever wanted to travel there, it would take about nine months, nine months to go to Mars. That distance seems immense. And it is compared to the distances we travel here on earth. But that's absolutely nothing compared to the rest of the known universe. Compared to the rest of the heavens, the distance between earth and Mars is minuscule. It's nothing. And yet, what does Psalm 113 teach us? God, in his majesty, looks far down upon the heavens, the entire universe, because next to our God, the universe is nothing compared to His majesty. It's incredible. And what is that all meant to impress upon us? It's meant to impress upon us how great God is. He's so highly exalted, we cannot even understand how great He is. And that is the God, the majestic God, we come to in prayer as we pray to Him. As we offer our prayers, it goes up to, to this King of the universe. We might have a hard time comprehending that. And also in our culture, there's, there's not much difference between people of power and your average person on the street. And just think of the leaders of our country. We don't view them with much reverence or distance. Instead, we view them as being much on the same level as our equals, and in many ways, they are. We live in a democracy. The rule is by the people for the people. So we are pretty much equals with those who are in power. But the potential dangers this poses is that we get so used to this that we project the same level of distance, not very much, onto God. We begin to view him as our equal. But the scriptures will simply not let us go there. Now, what happened in scripture when believers got even a small taste of the glory and majesty of God? Without fail, in every instance, they were struck with an incredible fear. They were completely overwhelmed. Jacob was filled with immense awe when God spoke with him at Bethel. Moses trembled in fear at Mount Sinai as the Lord descended on the mountain. Isaiah pronounced woe on himself seeing upon seeing the glory of God. And surely all that, it, it, it calls for us to adopt a certain posture in prayer as we pray to God posture of humility, a posture 
of awe and wonder and, and reverence, deep reverence for the one whom we are praying to. The Lord is so much greater than we are, so much greater than we can even imagine. And so He deserves our greatest respect and our deepest reverence. Not only that, He also deserves all of our worship and our praise. You see that too in Psalm 113 as you read the very beginning. The psalm opens up with a a call to praise this majestic God. It says, praise the Lord. Praise those servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. That is the calling we have in light of who God is to give Him all of our worship, to give Him all of our praise. So I encourage you to do that in your prayers as well. Include this this type of worship in your prayers. It's easy for us to jump right into uh, making all kinds of requests, and indeed we are to bring our requests and petitions before God. Let's not forget this aspect also, to spend time in prayer praising God for who He is, for His majesty and His awesome power. And one thing this includes also is uh, bringing before Him reasons for rejoicing and thanksgiving as well. Think about it. God is this majestic God, and yet we can come before Him in prayer. God is this majestic God, and he, yet He even desires, He even commands us, come before me, pray to me, I'm listening. We can pray to Him in Jesus Christ. It's wonderful. We have access to the awesome majesty of God's throne through Jesus Christ. And this transitions us into the other important aspect of prayer. We not only pray to a majestic God, a God who looks far down upon the heavens and the earth, but we pray to a God who is our Father. How wonderful that is. God is our Father in Jesus Christ. And we pray to Him in that way as His children. Now look look at how our Lord Jesus emphasizes this in Luke 11. His disciple came to Him, asked Him, teach us to pray. Christ told them to address God simply as Father. Father. You might notice how Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer is shorter than what Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. In Matthew's Gospel, it's Father in Heaven. Here in Luke 11, it's simply Father. And the Lord Jesus, the Gospel writer Luke, is emphasizing here the fatherhood of God for us. This is who God is for you. He's your Father. And Jesus emphasizes this so much that he goes out of his way to compare making requests to God to a child who comes up to his dad, asks him for earthly things. We come up to God in heaven. We ask him for things as his children. 
And God wants to hear from His children. He wants to hear from you. This is how we pray to Him. So this truth that God is our Father, it equally shapes the posture of our prayers. We not only approach God with deep reverence and awe because of His majesty, we also come to Him with a deep trust, knowing we are the objects of His fatherly love. We pray with a godly fear because of His power and glory, but we also come to Him with an assured confidence that we are welcome into His throne room through Jesus Christ. And he welcomes us there. Just as we cannot fathom the awesome power and majesty of God, so we cannot fully comprehend, fully understand the extent, the depths of God's fatherly love for us as children. And this shapes our prayers. I love how this was worded in stanza 4 of Psalm 5. When led into your habitation through your abundant love and grace, right, the, the psalmist comes to God knowing God's abundant love and grace, but then also how he addresses God, I will bow down before your face and plead in awe-filled adoration. Those two aspects, right? knowing God's love and grace in Jesus Christ, but also having that, that deep reverence for God's majesty. It shapes our, our, our prayers. God has become our Father. He willingly gave up His Son for us. And if He did that, and he will certainly be willing to hear his children as they call to him. So let me assure you again, you have free and confident access to God's throne in and through Jesus Christ. Come before God in Christ. You can come to your Heavenly Father in prayer at any moment. You don't need to fear his rejection Worry that he doesn't want to hear from you? No, he wants to. He listens to his children. And so we come to him based on his own promises in Jesus Christ. We cast all our anxieties upon him because, as Scripture says, he cares for us. And yes, as we read Psalm 113, it does emphasize God's majesty and his power but it also emphasizes this aspect of the Lord, too. So, as we see, sorry, perhaps an illustration can help us here. Because knowing God's exalted majesty alone can have a detrimental effect on us, if that's all we know, God's majestic power. We also have to know God's fatherly love. Think of this in terms of a worker who serves a large corporation working as a janitor. There he is every day at the very bottom of the company ladder, sweeping floors and cleaning bathrooms. All the while, the CEO of the corporation sits in his cushy office on the top floor of a giant, luxurious skyscraper. And the lowly janitor looks up at the top floor of the tower and he wonders to himself, does that guy ever care about me? I'm probably nothing more than a number to him. I'll certainly never be able to speak with him. There's no use in even trying. He, he won't even care. After all, he's probably up there contemplating how he can build himself another mansion 
and buy himself another Lamborghini. We could get that same sort of sense about God if we know only his majestic power, that he's exalted above the heavens. God looks far down upon the heavens and the earth. Why then would he bother listen to little old me and my problems, worries, and requests? But notice what Psalm 113 also describes. It highlights also God's compassionate care for the weak and the lowly. There it says, God raises the poor from the dust, the lowest of the low. He lifts up the needy from the ash heap, those who can't help themselves. He makes them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives a barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. You know, we have those both those aspects, God's majestic glory and His care, His fatherly love for the weak and the lowly. He stoops down to listen to His children. And so pray to Him. Pray to Him with deep reverence. Pray to Him also with a heartfelt trust. That brings us to our second point. Knowing that God is our Heavenly Father, the Catechism makes this application in Lord's Day 46. It says, God has become our Father in Jesus Christ and will much less deny us what we ask of Him in faith than our fathers would refuse us earthly things. And then furthermore, we can expect from His almighty power all things we need for body and soul. So to, to summarize the Catechism's application, God is both willing and able to answer our prayers. That's the truth we take away from the fact that God is our majestic Father. He's both willing and able to answer our prayers. And this is, of course, not just an application the Catechism makes, but it's something we find in Scripture. The Lord Jesus teaches us this thing, very thing in Luke 11. He says, What father among you? If his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Of course not. If you then, who are evil, know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Notice how Jesus assures us of God's response when we ask in line with God's will. He says, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Father loves to fill His children with the Holy Spirit. Yes, all believers are already regenerated and sealed by the Spirit, However, Scripture calls us to be filled with the Spirit, to seek the Spirit's ongoing work in our lives, that we would keep in perfect step with the Spirit and set our minds on the things of the Spirit. And Jesus assures us, God the Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. He will. Let that give you assurance in prayer. And certainly, may that prompt you to pray. Pray, beloved, for an ever-increasing measure of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And this is God 
the Holy Spirit at work in you. This is the counselor, the comforter. This is the one who works love and joy and peace in our hearts and lives. Pray to the Father for the Holy Spirit. I pray in faith, trusting that God will indeed give you this gift more and more. So we pray in faith, God is able and willing to give us these gifts. And calling upon God as our Heavenly Father also means praying with boldness. Boldness. Look only at the parable Jesus uh, tells in Luke 11. He says, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Imagine you're on the receiving end of that for a moment. You're lying in bed for the night, cozy and warm. Perhaps you're looking forward to an extra hour of sleep with the time change. You're already snoring away, having fallen into a deep sleep. And suddenly, in a moment, you wake up. What's that noise? I thought I heard something. There it is again. Someone's, someone's banging on my door. Who's there? What do they want? It, surely it must be a really bad emergency if they're knocking on my door at this time of night. You get out of bed, open the door, and who is it? Your best friend, who very well may no longer be your best friend for waking you up like this. And then what, do you, what did he do? What does he do? He asks you to give him some food. And you just look at him and say, you woke me up for that? But Jesus finishes the parable by saying, I tell you, though he will not get up and give anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, his boldness, disregard for social conventions, the man will rise and give him whatever he needs. You want some food? Fine. Let me give it to you quickly and I'll go back to bed. But here's the application that Christ gives from this parable. He's not teaching us that God is in any way a grumpy friend whom you wake up by your prayers. Not at all. But he teaches us to pray boldly, to pray persistently. As he says, I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened for you. Everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. Hearing those words of our Savior, it's good to reflect on our own prayers. Do you persevere in prayer? Or do you easily give up? Ask yourself, am I asking, seeking, knocking as Christ teaches us to do. Let me give you some examples that could arise from everyday life. Imagine someone feels that they don't really have a place in the church. Maybe they don't have any meaningful relationships with members in the congregation. I think it's good to ask, have you prayed about it? Perhaps you have. Then let me ask, well, how much have you persevered in it? Have you kept on asking about this matter, kept on knocking on your Father's door to help you in this way? 
Here's another example. Perhaps you're struggling with a particular sin. Have you prayed about it? If yes, that's great. But have you kept on asking, kept on seeking, kept on knocking at your Father's door? Keep doing it, beloved. Perhaps someone might be going through struggles in faith. That can certainly happen to God's children. Have you prayed about it, about that particular thing? Have you prayed persistently about it? Keep coming to your Father until He works to overcome the struggle. Now, in saying all that, it's not meant to accuse anyone of a lack of prayer. If you're going through any of those things, those things are very difficult. I don't mean to make light of them. I want to have it serve as a check, important check for all of us. We pray persistently, pray boldly. Keep coming to our Heavenly Father. Keep asking Him for the Holy Spirit. Keep asking for His help. And yes, it's true, we don't keep on babbling like pagans. The Lord Jesus told us not to do that. But the Lord Jesus still teaches us to pray boldly, to pray continually, seeking all things from our Father in heaven. And as we pray, let's also keep one more thing in mind. Addressing God as our Father in heaven and also reminds us that God knows what He is doing. You know, sometimes we might get discouraged when it comes to prayer, and that might happen to all of us at a certain point. You get discouraged. Perhaps you have really sought things from God's hand. Perhaps you've kept on knocking on the door, but nothing seems to happen, and that can be really hard. There are times when it seems that God doesn't give you what obviously seems good to us, we then wonder, why doesn't God answer me in the way that I'm asking? Again, there's no changing the fact that that is a struggle. It can be difficult in our faith. But at those times, it's important again to remember both the great majesty of God and the love of God. Think again of what Psalm 113 says. God's glory is above the heavens. He's seated on high. He looks far down on the heavens and the earth. And because God is so highly exalted, He can see the big picture that we can't see. He sees every single detail of the past, the present, and the future of our lives and of this entire world. He sees the entire picture that we can't see. And the big picture of His majestic working is far greater and more beautiful than we can imagine right now. But because our view is so limited and so small, the details that we come across it might seem to make little sense to us. We, we might not be able to see how our lives fit into the beautiful picture that God is working on. And think of this in, in terms of, a, of an earthly work of art Think of a very famous or beautiful painting, maybe the Mona Lisa, maybe Starry Night by Vincent van Gogh, 
maybe one of Robert Bateman's lifelike nature paintings. What happens when you stand six inches away from one of those masterpieces? What are they going to look like? They're only going to look like a blurry mess. The Mona Lisa, for example, if you stand six inches away, will only look like a bunch of dark smudges of paint. It's when you step back, you see the whole picture. You see, it's beautiful what the artist has done. We need to remember that our perspective is so limited also when it comes to prayer so that we would not lose heart. God is our Heavenly Father. He always answers our prayers for our good. Even when we don't understand, He sees all things and He knows what He's doing. So we can make our request to Him. and we, We can trust He will answer our prayers in a way that's good for us, even when we don't see how it could be for our good. Amen. Let us now respond to the preaching of God's Word by singing Psalm 116, stanzas 1, 3, 4, and 7.